Greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line, as normal, a uh, Twitter uh, beginning. Uh, I don't know what it is, but just so happens that people throw stuff out in Twitter, you know, the last few minutes before you get started. This is actually 20 minutes ago, so that's not really fair to say, but, but uh, I just had to mention this because this is it's all personal. You all skip the first few minutes anyways, I imagine, so um, <clears throat> Rich does. Uh, so... <laughs> Lauren Holiday writes to me and says, uh, Hi, Dr. Wyatt. I wanted to ask you, since we both have a background in radio, did you ever have a dead air nightmare? You mentioned dead air on the last DL, and I remember having nightmares about dead air. It's a silly question, but I was curious. God bless. Well, <laughs> I didn't know that everyone who's ever worked live on the air has the same nightmare, but we do. And I still have it to this day. Um, but the funny thing is it, it has to have changed a great deal over the years because I, for example, I, I've been to KPXQ here in Phoenix. We, we've used their facilities when I've filled in for people who I can't mention anymore because they're not friends anymore, but, um, <laughs> filled in for people on national radio programs. Um, and I see how things, it, it's all computerized now. It's all run by a computer. And when I was on the air, the computers hadn't been invented yet. I, well, okay, they had been. Um, but literally, it was like the Radio Shack thing with the tape drive, you know, the cassette tape in a tape recorder type thing. That was, that was, your, that was computers at that time. So the most advanced thing that I had was, um, ever seen uh, an 8-track cassette tape type thing? Similar to that, same about the same size. Uh, it was called a, a deck. We had two of those, and I had two reel-to-reels over here, and then you had the turntables over here. Yes, turntables, vinyl records, or as my daughter says, vinyl. Um, <laughs> she, when she first saw that, she didn't even know how to pronounce it. She'd never seen the word before because, like, you know. Um, but two two uh, uh, record players, turntables over here, and. Uh, that was that was that was it. So think about it. Uh, if you're solo, so like I would work six to midnight, Monday through Friday, and noon to six on Saturday. And the, the office wasn't o- open on Saturday, so pretty much the whole time I was there, that I'm the only person there. There was a guy named Dave Teller that did the overnight thing. Uh, he was interesting. <laughs> he used to he used to he actually ended up working on KTAR. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, Dave Teller doing traffic stuff on on KTAR. Yeah, but anyway, um, but there's nobody else around, and so when do you use the restroom? So everybody would have their favorite restroom records. Uh, it would be a certain song that uh, that was. Normally, like, there was this one Guy Lombardo medley that went on for, like, six and a half minutes. That's long enough, you know, especially when you're 19 years old, 18 years old. Six and a half minutes is plenty of time. Uh, so, but the nightmare would be um, that the record would start skipping. So you had to make sure it was good, you know, make sure to clean that record and stuff. But I still had it happen once. That's right. People don't understand what a skipping record is either, uh, especially young people. Millennials don't understand a skipping record. But um, if you got a, a scratch or some type of dirt or something into the grooves of the record, it could cause it to skip back each time that came came around. So it would just repeat the same 
over and over again, depending on where on the record it was. If it was toward the outside, then it'd be more time toward the inside, less time in between the skips. And so, you know, I mean, you'd have records skip on you while you're sitting there and you just got really good at potting it down, reaching over, get it over, bring the, bring the song back up. What are you doing? You didn't run out. You didn't. You didn't work on radio. Well, we all had record players. Um, so, anyway, so yeah, things could happen um, that that would that would cause. Uh, normally, it wasn't so much dead air as it, as it was the, the skipping record was bad. That was that was that was bad. But if you played the last song on the record. And didn't get back in time. Then you'd have dead air. Then you just have... Yep, that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, you did, you did have, uh, have some things like that. But one time, my guy, a guy Lombardo medley started skipping on me when I was in the restroom. And, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't good. So, and the fact is, um, I still have. Not, not, not very often, because it's been, what? 38 years, 37 years since I last did that. Uh, But I'll still have dreams about that. Um, Or the dream that I have is that I can't get the next record queued up in time. Because you have to put it on. You have to make sure it's down. There'd be the the thing. You'd have to pull it down. It would click. And it would go into queue mode so you could hear it in the studio, but it wouldn't go out over the air. And then you'd start it, and you'd find the beginning of of the song, and then you'd physically back it up. So as soon as you hit the thing, and you get really good at this after a while, as soon as you hit it, it would it would start right in, and so you could do good transitions and and uh, and stuff like that. Um, but I just have this recurring dream where no matter how hard I try, part of it part of it is because I can't I just can't make a decision as to what song I want to play, and the other song runs out before I make the decision, and the other is just this weird idea that I just can't move fast enough to get it queued up to the, to the next song. And you got to understand, I, I went through college, high school and college. That, that I would sit there and the control board would be right here. I've shown the picture before. And I'd have my high school science books or my college science books or New Testament books or whatever, you know, right here. And I'd look over and, you know, flip the switch and announce the song and go to the next one, cue up the next one, and then you go back to doing your setting. Or if it was during baseball season, we had the California Angels on. So at 7.05, from 7.05 to about 10 o'clock, depending on how long the game went, um, every half hour, boop, that's all I had to do for half, every half hour. Now, I wasn't making much money either. I can guarantee you that. Uh, but that's, that's, that's how you did it. And um, so, yes, yes, Laura and I still, sadly, I hate to tell you, <laughs> even Four decades down the road, that's uh, we still have the little bit of a twitch left after what you do when you when you work as a disc jockey on a radio station, and of course the phone calls we got. It was Sun City, Arizona, so it's a retirement community, and so you'd literally I, I never forget getting a phone call once and uh, KWAO, home of the great entertainers. Hi, there are little green men coming out of my lawn. What should I do? Well, wait to the morning, ma'am, and uh, and call the homeowners association. <laughs> you literally got that kind of phone call. You re- people eventually started thinking the radio station was the best place to call for everything, 
And man, I heard about grandkids and oh man, it was, it was something else. It was quite the job to have uh, at that particular point in time, but uh, that's what we did. Anyhow, <laughs> so there, that's how I uh, distract him again. And uh, <clears throat> there you go. All right. Let's, um, everybody wants me to talk about this and I, I don't mind doing so, but um, there is a reason why I think people would want me particularly to talk about what happened uh, Tuesday evening, nine o'clock Eastern time um, in something called a debate. Uh, everybody knows that a real debate, an actual debate, the debates we try to do, the debate, for example, that we will have um, tomorrow evening. And I haven't gotten an email back uh, with a link. I'm sorry about that. Um, but we will try to put it up once I get one. Uh, but the debate we'll do tomorrow night on uh, the longer ending of Mark, and then Saturday morning on Ephesians 3.9 in the Texas Receptus, uh, these are formal moderated debates, and therefore you, you have a thesis, you have opening statements, you have cross-examination, um, you have, well, rebuttals, cross-examination, and closing statements. And Honestly, if these presidential debates or the vice presidential debate that's coming up, if they were run that way, their ratings would stink. I mean, let's just face it. The reason that the vast majority of people tune in now um, is the same reason that people watch NASCAR. Okay, there's nothing overly exciting about watching cars going around and around and around. What are you watching them for? You're waiting for the next accident. You're waiting to see if somebody goes flying into the stands or you're, you're just waiting for that. And that's unfortunately the attitude of most people in regards to these debates. Now it is interesting. Um, you're probably aware I'm, I'm, I'm maybe boring you, but when the first um, presidential debates in the modern period took place between uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon um, and uh, John F. Kennedy. It, it is a fascinating study in human perception that the people who listened on the radio by vast margins said that Nixon was the winner that he had far better control of the facts and arguments and everything else. Exact opposite, those who watched. And it was because Nixon wasn't nearly as photogenic um, as the future president. (laughs) That's why he became the future president. Um, Kennedy was strikingly handsome, uh, Nixon was never handsome, and uh, uh, Al Mohler mentions something I had not heard, uh, but that is that Nixon had a famous 5 o'clock shadow, which he would have by 10 o'clock in the morning. And so he would look haggard and tired. So in other words, visual perception um, greatly changed and, and again, at that point in time, everybody up till that point in time had basically been used to radio. 
and would have listened to news and things like that on radio where you're having to process the spoken word. But the look is is all the important thing. Right, right. Right. Well, he was sweating. He was sweating, and he was he was pale. And Kennedy obviously knew how to handle those things. And so that is a you know. And yet, obviously, if you were to go back and watch those debates, or even listen to those debates, they would be absolutely mind-numbingly boring for us today. Especially because if you looked at the platforms of the Republicans and the Democrats at that time in our history, that much of a difference. Just, just that much of a difference. Um, if, if you looked at Kennedy's positions today, he would be called alt-right. That's how much things have changed in the intervening time period. And back then, <clears throat> there was something called decorum. Um, there was something called bipartisanship. There was something called patriotism. Um, you believed that America was worth defending. Um, Kennedy had defended America in war. He, I, I, I wonder how many people today, even if I said PT-109, would have any earthly idea what that means. Honestly. Maybe 3%. You think maybe three percent, maybe maybe ten the most, but vast majority PT one hundred nine, no idea, no idea. Uh, Kennedy served in the PT one hundred nine. It was a uh, patrol torpedo boat uh, in um, in the South uh, Pacific, and uh, one night his his boat was torn in half when it when a Japanese destroyer went right through it, and he barely survived. And um, a lot of our presidents. Uh, Nixon did not, but uh, a lot of our presidents, uh, George H.W. Bush, uh, flew in in the, the South Pacific as well. Anyway, um, so there was decorum, there was respect. These were people who believed that America was unique and good and proper um, and wanted to see it prosper in the future. Makes a complete difference in how politics is done. When both sides uh, believe that America is worthwhile, now one side hates America and wants to destroy America, very clearly wants to get rid of the Constitution and everything, and, and is just, this nation's a terrible, horrible thing, it's been horrible from the start, and we just need to burn it down and start over again. And that changes everything. That changes the entirety of the tone and everything. Now, the tone started changing with uh, Reagan. And, well, it, it, you know, you, you had the situation with Ford and Carter, where Ford made a gaffe that today would be considered extremely minor, but probably cost him the election. Um, but it's really Reagan, in both of his uh, runs, and it's interesting, I was watching in the second, uh, for his second run, you could start seeing what we would eventually find out he was starting to decline uh, even at that time. You could tell um, we know a lot more about that now than we did back then, but uh, he eventually succumbed to Alzheimer's, but well, third, as far as yeah, he had run unsuccessfully before. 
but um, he was an actor, and so he knew how to handle the camera. He knew how to respond to things. He had these. He was one. He was without. Just look up the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan on YouTube, and he was one of the funniest. I mean, he had an entire stack of of note cards with jokes that he had collected over the years, and they were good jokes. He knew what a funny joke was. He knew how to deliver it. He could also do things on the fly. I remember very, very clearly, very, very, I remember exactly what the room looked like at Independence High School. I was in guitar class my senior year when the uh, speaker turned, clicked on and the vice principal came on, Mr. Munoz, um, came on and announced to us that the president had been shot. And uh, I, I was, you know, those type of things you, you remember really, really well. Um, and yet, yet, years later, while he was still president, you, you can, again, you can find this on YouTube, and it's hilarious. Twice, there were two different incidents where a balloon popped in the room where Reagan was speaking while he was speaking. And in both instances, there's this brief pause, and he gets this look on his face, and he goes, miss me. <laughs> oh, everybody else like, oh, and he just goes, miss me. <laughs> and then everybody just, just breaks up. <laughs> it was, it, but, but he, I, say what you will, I, I, I'm very, very thankful that I can remember a president like, uh, uh, like Ronald Reagan. Uh, he was definitely the greatest of my lifetime. No, no question about it. I guess technically Kennedy was, I was, I was, uh, born in 62. So, uh, right around that time. Anyway. Um, so, but, but, but Reagan, when he popped that line, when, and this is funny in light of who's running now, but they brought up the fact that he would be the oldest president to be elected at that time. And he just said, I will not, uh, allow age to be used in this election. I will not hold my opponent's uh, youth and inexperience against him. <laughs> and that was, oh, and he did it deadpan. And it was so good that his opponent broke up laughing. <laughs> Everybody was laughing. And that was it. That was just like, <laughs> that, was, that, that was the end. He won. That was all it took was that one shot. It was, it was great. Um, uh, so, but that sort of, that did transition the debates into more of a, you're trying to keep up with, with Reagan, who was a professional actor, some of you don't know, a uh, long career in Hollywood. Um, and so things have degraded since then. But there was nothing to compare. I mean, Gore and Bush, uh, Gore and... Kurt, what was the guy's name? The other guy? Um, Massachusetts guy. No, 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 no. No, that was Reagan. Um, Bush and the other guy he ran against, the guy from Massachusetts. Um, started with the K. Anyway, you can see how 
much of an impression he made him. Like the, the guy that was in Vietnam but then attacked all the Vietnam people and stuff. Became Secretary of State under Clinton or somebody. Not a Clinton. Uh, Obama. Um, you're looking totally befuddled, but I've, I've actually described him pretty well. Uh, it's just, just the name's uh, not, not clicking. Um, and uh, so even with, with those, there was still a sense of decorum. You still said Mr. President, and there was there was something about the office uh, that still demanded some level of adult behavior. <clears throat> Let's just be honest, 2016 with Clinton and Trump, embarrassing, just just embarrassing, and then that mess um tuesday night I, I just i just wonder if the rest of the world is watching that going and they've got all the nuclear weapons oh great <laughs> uh oh our economy is dependent upon their economy remaining strong oh, this is lovely this is this is this is great uh i'm sort of surprised the entire Markets, all the markets around the world didn't just tank uh, after that mess. But so, what were we expecting though? Obviously, Donald Trump's advisors said you go into this and you bash his head in, you you interrupt, you challenge, you don't let him get his feet under him, don't let him get a rhythm, um, don't worry about Wallace. He, um, don't just ignore him. Uh, go after Biden and make him stand toe to toe with you. That clearly was what he had been told to do, and that's what he naturally does, anyways. I mean, that's Trump is Trump, and I don't I don't know that there's much of a range of Trump. Um, Trump can deliver some wonderful uh, speeches. But he didn't write them. And so the, the high flowery language uh, from the, the State of the Union or from his acceptance speech at the Republican convention, he, he didn't write that. Uh, someone else wrote that and they put beautiful stuff in there. But when it's him without the teleprompter, he's a street fighter. He's, he's in the back alley beating the snot out of you. And the idea of some kind of decorum just it's not how you do it in new york basically and so why bother and so he doesn't and biden didn't either uh given the terminology that he used and 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 so the behavior of both was i think i think anybody before obama uh, would have just looked at that and just gone, oh, guys, really? Seriously? Stop. Um, anybody would have just found it to be utterly inappropriate. But that's where we are now. And part of it is because of the utter degradation that our cultural condition is experiencing because there is a rising number of people within the culture of the United States that want to destroy the nation that want to see a fundamental 
destruction because they, they've taught that the old ways are horrible. The old ways were hateful. The old ways are just the worst thing that ever happened. It doesn't matter that this was the nation that their entrance into World War I turned the tide. It doesn't matter that this nation, uh, if it had not entered World War II, World War II would have been lost to the, to the Germans and the Japanese. Um, it, it doesn't matter this is a nation that landed on the moon and, and, and all the rest. Of, none of that matters anymore. They, they're such a twisted, perverted view of history has been passed on to these generations. Not that they study history, but a extremely shallow, basic, we've been horrible all along and now we're going to be good. Uh, that there is such a detestation for the very, the very institutions of, that, that are derived from the constitutional form of government that I, I can't see going back. I can't see how we could go back unless there was just a massive, massive change in the attitude of the people in the United States. And until the people in the United States have lost all of their liberties and all of their goods, they're going to believe the lie, the socialist utopian lie, that the government can provide you with everything and give you a wonderful life just do whatever they tell you to do. It's never worked. can't work. It's impossible. You always run out of somebody else's money. We all end up just in the same level of misery until someone realizes this is stupid. And then you shoot your way out of it. That's how, you, how, how it works. So when I, when I look at what happened, um, I recognize this is not a debate. It's a food fight. And each side is making a calculation as to what can be said in light of their predictions concerning certain polling numbers. That's all. It would have been wonderful if Donald Trump had used his time to lay out a warning of the nature of socialism, the nature of the the huge worldview difference between the only kind of government that can give you uh, freedom and liberty, which is based upon a view of man that socialism denies and that, uh, and that is being denied fundamentally by the leftist Marxists. I think he did use the term Marxist anyways, um, in, in Biden's, uh, in Biden's camp, but to lay out that, that positive message, um, but that didn't happen. Uh, will that happen in the future? I don't know. I, I have I have no earthly idea. I'm I'm somewhat hopeful that the vice presidential. To be honest with you, it seems to me. Now I don't know. You know Harris. Wow. Remember what she did to Kavanaugh. Never ever forget what what Harris did to Kavanaugh. Um, that should be that 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 should be in the forefront of every person's mind. But. It just seems to me that um, those two are significantly younger and significantly more capable of engaging in policy discussion. I don't. I don't think Harris is going to do that. I think the vice president will try. Yeah, Pence is much more mild mannered. Yeah, yeah. It starts with a K, and that's that's yeah, yeah. Kerry. Um, 
So uh, that might be a little bit more interesting uh, as far as not a bloodbath or a fight, uh, but as far as a serious debate goes. I don't know. I don't know. We will um, we will see. But there there needs to be discussion of these things because of what is taking place in our world. Um, just a few j- just a few items here. Um, for example, uh, out of California, you have not only the um, California state government and of course the the governor of California could apply for and, and 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 receive a job working for the Chinese Communist Party at any at any point in any day. He he wouldn't even have to change his perspectives. And he's ruling California as a despot, as a king. Um. Now, of course, he doesn't need to because he has such a wild-eyed one-party leftist uh, legislature that they can do whatever they want. If you want to see what happens. When the left takes power, then just look at California. They've made it impossible for there to be any means of even slowing down doing what they want to do. This is how the left operates. They cannot function in an actual constitutional republic. They have to undercut it and destroy it. And that's going to happen to us unless something happens. That's going to happen to all the states. Um, that's, That's where it's coming from. But uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom signs bill requiring minority quotas for corporate boards. So the government in California believes that it is government's role to tell businesses who they are to hire based upon their skin color. Now, this has been coming for a long time, but now it has to be not only... They already did something, I think, before in regards to women. Now they're doing minority quotas for corporate boards. Has nothing to do with who would be the best in that position, who would uh, provide the best employment, employ the most people, produce the best products. None of that matters to this form of totalitarianism. You do what you're told to do. And so Newsom is doing this signed a bill a few days ago where prisoners in California, upon conviction, meet with a board and explain to the board where they should be in a male or female prison. Seriously. That, that, I'm serious. Um, this is insanity. It is insanity on any level. There is no reason to have an, a skosh of respect for this stupidity. None. I have none. I I have no respect for a person who thinks that there is any logical basis for this kind of stupidity. It will result in rapes right, left, and center. It will result in pregnancies. It will result in abortions. It is insane, and it's stupid, but it's what the left does. Because the left is, is not seeking right now to establish a means of governance that will continue for a long time in the future. No. What they're doing right now is destroying what's now so they can build something else. I assure you, once they have full control, they'll stop all this stuff because they know it can't work. They know it can't work. So at the same time, um, across the ocean from California, 
the owner of an online Christian bookstore was sentenced to seven years imprisonment. The Chinese government destroyed nearly 13,000 books in his bookstore, and he was fined nearly $30,000 for illegal business operations. He was arrested. Um, this is uh, the man's name is Chen Yu. And he was arrested in September of last year, so it's been a whole year. They like doing that. They just stick you in prison for a long time before they even get around to the show trial. Because it is a show trial. Everybody knows it's a show trial. There's no justice in China. There, there's no... There's, Lady Justice isn't standing there with a the blindfold on um, in China. And we're getting rid of Lady Justice, too. Uh, that's, that's part of the uh, woke movement as well. Uh, but Chen allegedly has been selling publications that are of a religious nature and not government-approved. Not government-approved. Do you think it's at all possible that there might be a time in the future, in some place like California, where you'd have similar things going on? The California legislature has talked about banning books that would in any way, for example, promote um, uh, the conversion of homosexuals to a heterosexual lifestyle, right? And so certainly that would be the same with transgenderism. And so they seem to have an interest in what is being published within the borders of California as well, don't they? Yeah, because they have the same worldview. They have the, Newsom has the exact same worldview as the Chinese Communist Party. He's a Marxist from a worldview perspective. Um, 12,864 books. And then check this out. Ready? Ready? Police have begun a search to locate Chen's customers across China based on the bookstore's records and will destroy the merchandise purchased from Chen's store, according to International Christian Concern. Um, from, oh yeah, you bet. That's why they want a cashless, that's why a cashless society is coming, so that there will be complete records of any type of transaction that takes place. Any at all. From religious symbols, Chinese couplets, to Christian books, anything that features religious elements is no longer tolerated by the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. And the CCP wants global domination, and I can guarantee you the left in the United States wants it too, because they will benefit from it. They will benefit from it. They'll use the exact same stuff. So... Another Marxist, the mayor of New York City, de Blasio, announces $1,000 fine for anyone not wearing a mask in New York City. Yeah, $1,000 fine. And in fact, this is based upon COVID-19 tests, not hospitalizations, not deaths. They have totally and completely changed the goalposts and they get away with it because the original goalposts, deaths, were so effective in creating a massive panic class who will do anything, anything whatsoever about this one disease. All other diseases have become absolutely secondary. They just don't matter. This is the one. Um, then, you ready for this? De Blasio said the fine will be enforced by hundreds of mask patrols around the city. 
Now think about this for just a second. These are the people defunding the police. These are the people who have shut down some of the most effective policing departments in the New York City Police Department. So that, remember the, remember the video of the two guys run long shooting at each other and the cop car just drives on by because not my business anymore. Can't, not what I'm supposed to be doing. But the same city can put together hundreds of mask patrols to chase people around city parks. And if you're going to be outside, you have to have a mask on. Um, what about running? Have to have a mask on. What? Have to have a mask on? That's dangerous. Doesn't matter. No, you can kill somebody. Doesn't matter. Die. We are in control. We are demanding this. This has nothing to do with COVID-19. Has nothing to do with it at all. This is complete. If, if you are still sitting there saying, we need to do this because, because of COVID-19. Open your eyes. Maybe, maybe you're not getting enough oxygen through that mask. Look at this. Think for just a second. Hundreds of mask patrols. Faceless people enforcing not a law passed by a legislature. No. All we have now are governors and mayors. We have oligarchs. This is how Russia is run. We have oligarchs who are now ruling based upon emergency powers. This is how Russia has been doing it for a long, long time. And now we're doing it here. Now it's happening amongst us. Hundreds of mask patrols around the city. I don't know about you, but I ain't going there. I'm not going to New York. That's why studies say 50 to 60% of the restaurants and small businesses that existed in New York City in January this year will not exist in January of 2021. 50 to 60%. People are fleeing like... Rats jumping off a ship, those that can. The sad thing is, it's the poor people that can't afford to. They're stuck there. And uh, what was Plotskin? What was Snake Plitzkin. It has that we we've trying to find him. He'll be moving in. Oh my, yeah. There you go. Uh, I. You look at all this stuff and and you're simply left astonished about all of this that's happening at at once. Let me tell you something. Joe Biden has said if he's elected president, and of course, in other words, if Kamala Harris is elected president, because we all know that there is no stinking way. I didn't think I didn't think he'd get this far. And I still think there's a possibility that he won't go all the way. But Let's say he's elected. You see him? You honestly see him functioning for a year? I I don't. I didn't think he'd make it this far. So the Harris administration has made it very, very clear. These masking mandates will be universal across the United States. Um, It is very, very possible that you will never fly on an aircraft 
without a mask on again. You will never be in a in a Uber, taxi, train, uh, basketball game, football game, restaurant, anywhere without a mask ever again. Ever again. Um. Wow. It's it's funny. Only a few months ago, there was a recognition of of the fact that masks can be very dangerous to certain people, and now it is universally accepted. Nope, masks are not dangerous to anyone. Yep. Yeah, that Kevin James video. Yeah, that's 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 where we are. That that's prophetic. I know. I know. Um, the medical exemptions are gone. That nobody cares. Um. At all. doesn't matter what it would do to you. Uh, I just signed up to run a race in February, and then it struck me later. I wonder what they're going to do about this. I wonder what... I mean, I ain't running with a mask on, I can assure you of that. But what about afterwards? Are you supposed to carry one of these stupid things with you? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm starting to think about you know, finding a shipment of these masks and throwing them in Boston Harbor. Get the connection? You know, because it's the exact same thing. Back then it was taxation without representation. Now it's mask maskication without representation. Because my, my elected officials didn't vote for this. This is this is being done by royal power. And based upon anti science. It's not science. The studies are clear. It's not science. But the the caring cult believes whatever they're told. And there you go. What does this have to do with you say what does any of this have to do with Christianity? <laughs> it has a lot to do with Christianity. Because all of this is directly connected to the state, likewise, saying to churches all across this land, thou shalt not meet. We shall tell you what you can do. You cannot have the Lord's Supper. You cannot sing. You, you cannot have close fellowship. There's, there's, there's going to be no prayer circles uh, except people mumbling in masks. And people my age, if you've got a mask on, not only, honestly, if, 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 you, if you post a picture of yourself as your avatar on Facebook or something, mask on, 50 points off the respect scale immediately. I, and I said that on Twitter. I said, what? Why? It just looks so stupid. It's just so completely, look how good I am. It's just blah. Um, But I can't understand what you're saying. I cannot understand what you're saying. That's, that's, not, that's not how humans are supposed to communicate. You wouldn't be listening to this program if you couldn't understand what I was saying. If I'm wearing a mask, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. So, if the if the government succeeds in taking this power, and by the way, multiple high-level articles coming out in big journalistic sources, not just on the right, whatever that is, laying the foundation for forced vaccination. Um, you will not be able it you will not be able to travel. That was one of the first things I said in March. One of the first things I said was I don't know if I'll ever be able to travel again. 
because I get the feeling this is going to be required to be able to travel anywhere in the future. And I'm not just talking masks. I'm talking vaccination. Forced vaccination. Um, tire plans being laid out. I think the New England was the New England Journal of Medicine. Was that the one I saw this morning? Uh, laying out the case. Here's the criteria. It has to be fulfilled. And if these are fulfilled, then there should be forced vaccination to get to, quote unquote, herd immunity. Um, so if they, if they can do that and it's all a matter of power, then look at what China is doing and realize that this virus, which is a political virus, it's been turned into a political force will be used to continue the, um, demands that the church not meet or not meet in full strength or only meet outside. For those of us that live in Phoenix, that's a real hoot. It really is. I mean, there's, there's about eight weeks, <laughs> I'd say, uh, between December and January where, yeah, we could do that. Um, but the rest of the year ain't going to happen. Um, it's still, I, I looked at the, at my phone, and it's still triple digits as far as the eye can see. Uh, and this is in October, okay? It's just been that kind of year in, in Phoenix. And so all this, well, you can meet outside. No, you can't. There's lots of places you can't. And now places up north, there are places you couldn't meet right now outside for the opposite reason. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you did meet outside, you still have to get permission to do so. And so now you're now you're up up. Well, do it in your own parking lot. Well, then where are you supposed to park? You know, I mean, it's just it goes on and on and on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the all the stuff they you know, the you know, when MacArthur read the requirements from the from the state, it was clear and obvious that the state does not want the church meeting. And there might be a reason for this. Because the people in California represent a worldview that is that sees the church as a fundamental challenge to its authority. Because it is. Because <laughs> they're right. It is. Um, the state wants your full allegiance and worship. And they will demand it. The Chinese communists do. That's why they put people in prison and burn books. And that's coming for the church here as well. And it could start in January. It could start in January. I would not for a second, for a second, be surprised if on January 22nd of 2021, if Biden-Harris have been elected and especially if they have the the Senate as well to see not only universal mask mandates for all public settings, including churches, uh, but a locking down even tighter of the prohibition of churches from being able to meet. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I, I look at anyone who would express surprise at that and go, why what in their words or actions or history or the trajectory right now would for a second tell you that that would be an issue? 
And so what are we going to do? How do you how do you respond to this? I put a tweet up recently and I basically asked the question in light of the fundamental worldview issues cuz all this right now everyone's talking about the individuals. They're talking about Joe Biden. They're talking about Donald Trump. Rather than stepping back and realizing that both of these men represent radically different understandings of the world. Trump inconsistently so. Biden historically inconsistently so. I mean, he was he was once at least a supporter of the Hyde Amendment, but I mean, he's turned into pure jello as far as having a moral background, a backbone's concerned. But he pretty much all, always did. I mean, he's been lying about his history and background for decades, and has been caught many, many times, plagiarism, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think this has anything to do with Joe Biden. I mean, his mental. Issues aside, we are talking about a complete worldview issue here. This is a worldview election. Um, people are, are going after uh, Trump about white supremacy. I was just before we started. They, had you ever heard of the Proud Boys before the debate? You had. I had not. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Really? I thought I thought that was a prayer. I thought it was No, 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 no. That that they had the name Patriot in their name. Patriot Prayer or something. That that was not Proud Boys. Man, I I I had honestly never heard the name until Joe Biden used it in the debate. Now it's everywhere. And so before the program starts, I happened to see an interview with one of the leaders of this group, and he's black. And he's going, we don't have, we are not white supremacists. We don't have white supremacists in our group. Uh, we, we, no connection with the KKK. We, we, we denounce all these things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm like, okay, I, I don't know who these people are. But it just seems so weird to me that people accuse Donald Trump of being a white supremacist, of being a racist, because he was in the thick of New York high life, uh, the elite, and you don't you don't live in that area. If you're a racist, and I mean racist in the meaningful use of the word racist, not the newly defined thing that has nothing to do with race. Um, I mean, in the real thing. And so you go to the debate and you have this whole thing about white supremacy. Will you denounce white supremacy? So let me let me remind you of something. Let me remind you. Remember the graphic? I forgot to pull it up. I was going to I was going to have it bookmarked and got distracted. But remember the the graphic that the museum uh, from the Smithsonian had put out, some African something from the Smithsonian put out, 
that talked about white culture. And so if you save up money and delay gratification, white culture, uh, if you if you go to work on time, if you have a work ethic that, that says that you should do the best job that you should do for your employer, even if you are not rewarded for it in the way that you feel you should be, that you still have a moral responsibility to be a good employee. To that, that, that extends not only to your fellow employees, but to the customers of the company that you work for. White culture. White culture. It listed, you know, rugged individualism. Basically, what it was saying was that which made America, America, that which made the American fighting man in World War II feared around the world, feared around the world. Our soldiers were considerably better marksmen than anybody they came up against. You know why? Because most of them had been rabbit hunting in their backyard from the time they were eight. They could they could shoot a rabbit at, at 50 yards. You can shoot the enemy at 25, a whole lot easier. Rugged individualism. Sacrifice. Sacrificing yourself for others. How many of those Medal of Honor winners were people that had given their life to save 25 others because that was the rugged individualism, the work ethic of the American culture. Now it's called white culture. That's white supremacy. The mathematics that allows planes to fly, rockets to go to other planets, build bridges and skyscrapers, the medicine that allows us to to have surgery on little babies in the womb, white supremacy. Anything now is white supremacy. In fact, the phrase, the statement, that you would want people to be judged, not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character, is white supremacy now. So when someone says, will you denounce white supremacy, you have to go, what do you mean by white supremacy? Oh, you should just denounce it, whatever it is. That's stupid. Will you denounce? Denounce it right now. Denounce it. What is it? If you have to even ask, then obviously you are guilty. Right? That's easy to do. And here's what the left is doing. The left will take a phrase that once had a meaning. The Ku Klux Klan, white supremacy. Had pretty much disappeared, to be perfectly honest with you. But it had a moral element to it. So they'll take that phrase. They will borrow the moral element from its old usage while in their classrooms and in their circles, they completely redefine it into something else. Something completely different. So if you look at that graphic and what it advises white culture and white supremacy, that's actually what the Bible says we're supposed to be like. So if you ask me, do you denounce white supremacy? If you mean like it's being defined in wokeness, 
I do not denounce Christianity. I do not denounce a work, work ethic. I do not denounce a recognition that God has created the world and that it works the same way for all of us. And that it is not colonization to teach people that two plus two equals four. That is absurd insanity leading to the destruction of any meaningful culture. So you're the one that's lying to us all by using the term white supremacy to mean something that it doesn't mean. But you're banking on the fact that people, because we're made in the image of God, know what that phrase should mean in the meaning of the words. Grab that moral element and utilize that even as you're redefining it. Shame on every single one of you. But you don't have a framework for understanding what shame is to begin with. So it doesn't really matter. But that's what's happening. That's what's happening in our culture right now. You turn on the television right now, and you're going to find people saying, oh, you, you, and it's happening in the church. Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer. TGC, ERLC, you've got to understand where these people are coming from. They have been deeply infected, deeply infected with this critical theory, woke, neo-Marxist, whatever you want to call it. They have been deeply infected with this stuff. And it is utterly inconsistent with any kind of meaningful Christian worldview. It is destructive. And just as it's destroying the culture around us, it destroys the church as well. It creates division because it doesn't use biblical terminology. In the Bible, white supremacy is wrong because, first of all, there are no races. There's one human race. And it is wrong because it fosters hatred in the heart. So that one guy who said... It shouldn't be the color of your skin. It should be the content of your character. Was exactly right. It's amazing. So many people today would say, that's white supremacy. No, it's not. That's a Christian value. That was a Christian value he stated. Whatever else you might think about him, that was a Christian value he stated. And it was a Christian value that I stated when I said at the Lord's Supper, that is a Christ space, and you need to leave your ethnicity out of it. Because you come solely as a redeemed sinner in Jesus to that table. You don't drag anything else with you. And we actually had people saying that there should be an ecumenical council to have me excommunicated as a heretic for daring to say that. Daring to say that. And yet, that's what you're getting out of TGC, ERLC, these places. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I found out just before the program started um, that Ted Tripp goes to Eric Mason's church. Eric Mason's his pastor. That explains a lot of where Ted Tripp's going these days. Big time. And you're going, but I've learned so much. I know. I know. It is a day of revelation <laughs> of what is really going on and what's really happening. So, so I don't know when the next quote-unquote debate is. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's next week. I think the VP 
debates next week, isn't it? It is. I, I believe you're right. And then the problem here is that surfacing is the fact that the moderator for the next presidential debate, used to work for Biden, has tweeted things extremely anti-Trump. He used to work for Biden? Yeah. Um, but what I was going to chime in originally for was that um, on your last yeah, point... Yes, so you're going to interrupt me. So I, I, On your I, last I, point, I you need roll. to drink something and take a breath anyway. Uh <laughs> The um, Some of these things can come home to roost. And the morning after uh, the debate, uh, Mr. Biden decided to tweet a picture, or a, make a tweet. That's right. Regarding white supremacy. And the picture that he chose to use, and the reference point that apparently he was using in the debate, was Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. Absolutely. No evidence anywhere of any None. kind. And Mr. Rittenhouse's lawyer has stepped up and said, you know what, we're going to sue Biden and the Biden campaign for libel. And at at some point in time, some people who are not public figures, like Kyle Rittenhouse or like Nick Sandman, are going to have the most power in these situations because they are not public figures and they're going to be the ones who get a, a, a Lynn Wood to step up and say, you know what? We're going to take your entire bank account if you keep doing this. We're going to cho- we're going to show you and teach you a lesson. But, yeah, but once they have power, well, there the, is the courts an go with them. Side to that, based courts on go with them. What you were saying the other day about judges. Yep. And you hope that these judges, this massive amount of judges that have been put in place over the last three and a half years, are righteous judges. I don't know that we can count on that. I, I, I don't know I, either. I, I, I've said it a dozen times. Well, they're, they're, but they're already ruling by divine fiat. Yes. They're already ruling. They, they don't yeah. care about what the courts say. They don't care about no. what the legislators say. No. They're just saying we're, we're going to do it because I'm an authority. But, but you know that that's the that's the crisis that we're facing. We are looking at the results of so many things that you've been saying over the years. The judgment of God is coming upon this nation. This is what it looks like, folks. You 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 thought to be cavalier over these things, the the murder of the unborn and so many other unrighteous things that we've done in this country, and the incredible insanity that we've all witnessed in the public square over the last ten to twenty years, and it is now coming full circle, and we're seeing it. You didn't take it, it seriously. Full circle. God will. It is full circle, and uh, the, the question is, how do you? How do you respond to it, and how do you do so in such a way that's honoring and glorifying to God? That's uh, that's the important part, and that's what we're trying to uh, trying to do. So, anyway, um, I am certain, you know, up until the debate, everything was about SCOTUS, and now that's dropped off the radar for the moment because I think, um, like eleven days from now, I think is when they're going to start the start the stuff. Uh, in regards to the SCOTUS stuff, and every there there is no yeah everything's bare knuckles. It, there is no question about it. There's no question about. It. But we are in a war, and there are revolutionaries, and the revolutionaries are not outside of our borders. They're inside our borders, and they are trying to burn it all down. And they're inside our churches. Yep, they're inside our churches. There's no two ways about it. And uh, that that raises all sorts of uh, interesting questions. Uh, as well. Well, anyway, 
<laughs> just a reminder. Um, in fact, let me let me just look real quick. I'm sorry. I, I should have. Okay, so where is it? Uh, I'm looking through the, my emails here. I, there it is. There it is. There it is. Uh, okay, good. Uh, there's, I have a YouTube, so I have the YouTube link. I will, um, put it on when I write up the description and blog this, I'll put it there, uh, tomorrow evening, uh, October Second, um, well, no, no, this is, <laughs> look at that. So if you want to get really confused, it's bad enough we live in Phoenix, okay? So the longer ending is uh, at 8 a.m. Kuala Lumpur time. Because they're based over in Malaysia. Kuala Lumpur time. And the Ephesians 3.9 debate is at 11 p.m., I guess the same day. Yeah. So there's one at 7.40, at 8 a.m. in Kuala Lumpur, and then 11 p.m. in Kuala Lumpur. That's interesting. <laughs> so, so... Right, right. So it's yeah, it's twenty four hours. But yeah, it's yeah, because it's going to be tomorrow evening, and then Saturday morning. Huh? No. Uh, this is that's a different day. Uh, you're one. You're twenty four hours off. Right, and this is October third. No, October third. Um, so we're good. So we'll we'll put the links up for the two debates on the Texas Receptus. Um, and I was going to, if I ran out of stuff to talk about, I was going to talk about some of the background for this debate. Let me just go ahead and, and since we've gone past the hour mark anyways, let, let me just say one thing. For those of you who are um, uh, confused or don't understand the importance of the debates we're doing uh, tomorrow and Friday night and Saturday morning in the United States. I have mentioned to you before that as far back as 2017, when I was in Wittenberg, Germany, I was sitting with some young men at uh, one of the better places to get a cheeseburger. At least you could get a cheeseburger back then. Who knows what's going on in Germany now? But this is back when you could travel the world and it was a different place. And over a cheeseburger and big chips, as they call them in Europe, French fries, we call them here. I was talking with some of the young men from the conference that I was speaking at, uh, which was the German Shepherds Conference, <laughs> the German Shepherds Conference. Um, and they were talking to me about the Texas Receptus position coming into churches there in Germany, which is strange, but... It's been going for quite some time. I have spoken about this issue apologetically, pastorally, textually for a number of years. And 
I think it's extremely important. I think it's important for us to be consistent in responding even to people within our own circles. And being consistent in the standards that we utilize, whatever group we might be dealing with. This is an opportunity for you to think deeply and to consider one simple thing. Who is being consistent? Now, there is a level of consistency in TR-onlyism, but it is the consistency that caused the riots in North Africa when Jerome more accurately translated the name of the plant that grew over Jonah's head. There was a riot. And the Greek Septuagint had not used the most accurate term. And when Jerome translated the Latin Vulgate, he used a more accurate term. It resulted in a riot. Now, this is that's the same situation we're dealing with here. That is, do you have a traditional text and say, since God has used this text for so long, it is inviolable. And we have to have an absolutely stable text. We cannot have any questions. There cannot be any uh, notes in the side margin that say some manuscripts say this and some manuscripts say that, as every King James Version of the Bible has always had, and the original had many more than are now printed today. There are many, many people who believe that is a negative thing. There should be no textual notes. There should be no, when the New King James says, NU says this, and TR says this, and MAJ says this, or whatever. No, that should not be there, because we have to, we can not allow for any issues in the transmission of the text of Scripture. There, there has to be one stable unchanging text. That's that's what that's how the Septuagint was viewed initially. Then that was replaced in the Western Church by the Latin Vulgate. So when Erasmus comes along and he recognizes that there are problems in the Vulgate, provides his own translation, no, 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 no. And then the Reformers emphasizing the Greek, oh, no, 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 we've got, we've got the Vulgate. That you, we've had the Vulgate for 1,100 years. You can't tell me that God... God has allowed us to use a corrupted text for 1,100 years? So there was Vulgate-onlyism. There was Septuagintal-onlyism. And now we have TR-onlyism. And the argument is that the TR is providentially preserved and did not come from textual critical study. The problem is it did. It came from inconsistent textual critical study. It came from textual critical uh, materials that are one one hundredth, one one thousandth of what we have today. But the reality is anyone who reads Erasmus knows that he reasoned through passages the way that we reason through passages today. And many times when it came to the Greek text, he said, I'm putting this in my text, but let the reader decide. These are the possibilities. Let the reader decide. So he had no dream that he was being involuntarily and providentially utilized by God to restore, not, well, yeah, to restore the apostolic text. 
So TR onlyism is not a textual critical methodology, just like Vulgate onlyism wasn't and Septuagintal onlyism wasn't. It is not by their own teaching something that is meant to restore the text. The text has been preserved just as the Septuagint had been preserved, just as the Vulgate had been preserved. The TR has been preserved. It's the ultimate authority. And so here's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear a discussion tomorrow night about the longer ending of Mark. Now, there are multiple endings of Mark. There is the no ending of Mark, that is Mark 16a. There is a shorter ending, which is a summary statement that almost no one believes is original, but it's short. You've got the Freer Logion and Codex Washingtonianus um, and a few other references to that. And then you have the longer ending with all of its variants and variant forms. It has a lot of textual variants within it. But Mark 16, uh, 9 through 20, in its various manifestations. And I'm going to present the textual data, and I'm going to point out that the reason that the majority of New Testament textual scholars today uh, believe that the longer ending, which is found in the text receptus, is secondary, is due to these reasons. These are the manuscripts, these are the ancient versions, um, and the simple reality that there would be no reason to have the other endings that do exist if the longer ending had always been there. Jerome said it wasn't. Eusebius said it wasn't. Um, other, there are other sources that demonstrate that though the longer ending is very primitive and very early, that there is good reason to believe that it was constructed because of the abrupt nature of the ending of the Gospel of Mark, and I'll provide some reasoning as to why Mark might have chosen to end the Gospel the way that he did. But that's a textual critical presentation, and if this was a textual critical debate, then we could, the other person might be um, a Byzantine priority person, and so they're going to lay out why they believe the Byzantine manuscripts should take priority, Maybe a majority text person, very, very similar, but not necessarily the same um, in, in their understanding. And then we, you, you reason between those positions. That, that, that cannot happen tomorrow night because it's not a position that is seeking to restore the text. It is a position that starts with the Textus Receptus and then looks at the data and says, well, this date is right because it's what's in the Texas Receptus, and that date is wrong because it's not what's in the Texas Receptus. And that's not a textual critical position. And the reality is that if every single manuscript that contains the longer ending did not contain the longer ending, but contained the freer logion, my opponent would still hold to the longer ending because that's what's in the TR. Now, I would argue historically that would mean the TR wouldn't contain it. But that's not, that's not the point. I'm looking at historically, which means you have to look at it from the point of history and then development of time through history. The TR only position can't do that. It has an established text. And then you do with the data what you need to do with the data. So 
what we'll see in doing a two-part debate is that if Dr. Riddle argues that the predominance of the longer ending in the majority of manuscripts of the Gospel of Mark should be determinative of its inclusion in Scripture, then the second part of the debate on Ephesians 3.9, where the TR contains a reading that is unknown to the Byzantine tradition till at the earliest a maybe one, maybe two manuscripts, but it's not the Byzantine reading. It's not the majority reading. It's not the reading of the ancient church. In other words, all of the argumentation that would have been for the longer ending would now be against the TR reading, but that won't change anything because there are no facts that can change any TR reading. There are no manuscripts. We could find 100 dated, notarized copies of the Gospel of Mark from the year 95 that all end at Mark 16.8, that actually go to the end, because we don't have any papyri. The end of books were notoriously lost because of the nature of books and, and how they were made. And if there's going to be damage, and there's normally damage after 2,000 years, um, that's what's going to be lost. We have no papyri that contain the, the end of Mark, so there, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to look at there. The earliest manuscripts we have are Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, and they do not contain it. But we, even if we had a hundred a new, new manuscripts discovered tomorrow that we can date specifically to the year 95 that are complete Markan manuscripts, and they all end at Mark 16.8. That would mean nothing to the TR-only position. Nothing. Now, if we found those 100 manuscripts that were dated to AD 95, and they contained the longer ending, it would mean everything to me. I mean everything to me. I go, bingo, there it is. There, there's, there's, put it in there, baby. Give the information. I want to know what Mark wrote. That's all there is to it. That's all there is. That would so overwhelmingly change the evidence that I would go, boom, and here's the point. From their side, no, but see, you just have to keep changing things. And from my perspective is, no, we always have to be wanting to know what the apostles wrote. That's what's inspired. That's originalism not traditionalism. The two are not the same, and they are not consistent with one another. And I hope that's what comes out. hope that comes out very clearly in the debate. So I'll put the, uh, I'll put the links up. As I said, um, I'm not even sure what this time it is for me. Did you, did you click on one of them? Um, let, me, let me look here real quick. There's actually one person waiting. <laughs> I mean, that's probably me now. There was two before. Um, let me see. So you can go to explainapologetics.com. Scheduled for October 2nd, but where is the... Is there something on here? Uh, live in 25 hours. So October 2nd. This says October 2nd, 5 p.m. So if YouTube is giving 
me my time, which I guess it does, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Daylight time, right? Daylight time, right? 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I just would we stop playing with the clocks? Stop it. Just stop it. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be tomorrow night. And then uh, the second one is 8 a.m. my time. So that'd be 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Saturday. So there you go. So there you go. I hope they will be useful. I hope they will go smoothly. So please pray for the, you know, it's, it's technology. It's the internet. It's Max Headroom at times, you know. Um, and we have had a few minor solar storms recently. I actually have a thing on my phone that goes beep, beep, and warns about solar storms. It's like, you never know. Um, so let's let's hope that all happens and that it's clear and that the issues are laid out completely. That's that's the important part. That's the important part. The Biden-Trump thing? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just going to completely ignore Sam, and we're just going to interrupt each other and yell and scream and throw stuff, and yeah, no. No, I'm afraid on that end, if if that's what you've gotten used to as far as debates, it's not really going to be happening. You... And neither one of us are nearly as old. Because <laughs> so, so, I called that the, the, the GIF debate, the GIF debate, the geriatric insult fest. Uh, so, yeah, no, you're not going to – I'm not going to do that. I, I want to stay focused on the, uh, on the issues, and I will actually use Dr. Riddle's name. Because remember when they did their entire text and canon thing, I was the popular Internet apologist. They would never even use my name. So I, I, I wonder if he'll have a euphemism or just avoid it. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out. So that's what's coming up this weekend. Hopefully I get some background. And obviously I'll have some commentary on that on Tuesday when we see you again. Thanks for watching. God bless. <laughs>